Fontana rolling out the right, looking toward the end zone, throwing under pressure, throws his pass. Caught by Clark. Clark got a touchdown. Troy Clark has it. It's a touchdown for the 49ers. You're now listening to the 4th and Gold Podcast with Javi and Matt. Welcome to the 4th and Gold Podcast. We are back with a week three preseason preview episode. We are going back to ground zero, back to the crime scene. Jimmy Garoppolo is returning to Kansas City Arrowhead Stadium. Matt, how are we feeling? Man, every day is one day closer to meaningful football. Uh, the third preseason game, dress rehearsal game, it's the most meaningful preseason game we're going to see. It's the most of the starters we're going to see. I'm excited for it. Saturday night, 8 o'clock. Um, yeah, just one day closer to the regular season, man. Right on. As usual, I'm Javi. That's Matt. Uh, follow the podcast on Twitter at 4th and Gold Podcast. Um, we do have a special guest today. Uh, Mello from Stick to Football Podcast is joining us. Uh, Mello, how are you doing? How are you feeling about your Kansas City Chiefs? Man, I'm doing great. I know this is a 49ers podcast, but I'm excited to talk about my Chiefs. <laughs> As you should be. The Chiefs are coming in with a lot of momentum, a lot of hype from last season. Um, you know, Andy Reid is probably one of the best coaches I've ever seen in my lifetime. You know, he's on another, he's got another quarterback in place, and, you know, things are looking up and up in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, they definitely are. And I won't pretend like I've been on this bandwagon forever. Um, I didn't have a favorite football team for a long time. And I decided with the, the Chiefs being a local team here for me in Missouri that I'd go ahead and jump on that bandwagon once they got Pat Mahomes. Yeah, you chose the right time. Uh, Pat Mahomes, he, he's a hell of a player. Uh, so let's go ahead and start with him. Uh, you know, MVP season last year. It's hard to get better than that. Do you think that the league is going to catch up to him, or do you think he's just so good that he's just going to keep staying one step ahead of the game? Uh, there for a long time, I th- I thought the league would catch up with him, and that maybe this season we would see some regression out of him. But there are a lot of good reports coming out of Kansas City that he's just working his ass off, and that things are going to be even more impressive up there this year. Adding guys like Hardman out at wide receiver, having Tariq Hill back for the whole season. Maybe even having uh, you know, quite a few weapons at running back. It sounds like the offense is going to do just as well as they did last year. And the defense has definitely improved across the board. Defensive line, secondary is going to look totally different. So I, I think the numbers might regress a little bit. It, it would be hard to duplicate the 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. But I think this is still going to be the best offense in the NFL. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, Andy Reid has been you know, a quarterback whisperer, so to speak, and, you know, getting getting what he got out of Pat Mahomes last year. <clears throat> I wanted to talk about the running back position. Um, you know, Kareem Hunt is no longer there. Uh, they do have a few options. Carlos Hyde, former 49er. Uh, but there's a guy that's emerging that I noticed the last couple of days, um, just reading up and looking at some, some uh, Kansas City Chiefs games. Darwin Thompson. 
what's the word in camp with him? From what I understand, he's already passed Carlos Hyde on the depth chart. Yeah, it's it's starting to look like Carlos Hyde might be the odd man out there in Kansas City because Darwin Thompson and, and his ability. I mean, I knew that he could catch the ball out of the backfield, but he's really come on strong and impressed his coaching staff. And you, you're starting to see him get more touches. I'm curious to see how they use him in this week three matchup, uh, how many carries he's taken, if any, with that first team, and uh, what he can do on Saturday against what should be a pretty good 49er defense. Yeah, so let's flip it to the 49ers then. Um, in say the same position, you got the running backs. So the 49ers running back uh, core is is one of the deepest in the league. And, you know, we, we haven't really seen Jarek McKinnon do anything in a 49ers uniform a little bit in preseason last year. We saw what Matt Brady can do last year. We know what Tevin Coleman brings, and we know he has experience in Shanahan's offense. Um, but the, the emergence of Raheem Mostert, who played pretty well last year when given the opportunity and now just, again, balling out in preseason, um, you know, just your – do you hear any rumblings of anything of maybe the 49ers might move one of the top three guys and just roll with uh, with Mostert and then two of the top guys? It, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you look at what the Browns did. I know that Duke Johnson kind of asked for that trade and got out of Cleveland, but there are going to be teams that after this preseason, especially week three, week four, they're going to look for running back depth. And the 49ers, they definitely have more depth than anybody. I mean, you look at Tevin Coleman re-teaming up with Kyle Shanahan. I'm expecting a big year from him. Jerick McKinnon was supposed to be the guy there in place, and then Brita taking over last year. That One of those guys might have to be up on the trade block, or at least just to float them out there and see what you can get in return. Yeah, that's that's fair. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm, of the, I'm of the belief we may never see Jet McKinnon play a snap as a Niner. Um, you know, the reports of his knee aren't the greatest. Um you, you know, going into week three, you know, usually Andy Reid has this plan of, um, you know, he usually keeps his starters in for the first half and lets them come out after halftime. Uh, what are you expecting out of that? Is it is it more of a snap count thing or just Andy Reid just doing what his normal, um, his normal, you know, routine when it comes to week three preseason? Uh, I, I don't expect the guys to play that much. I think that's kind of the trend in the NFL, and, and I hope Andy Reid is on board with this because of this 49er pass rush, even gets close to Pat Mahomes. I think you have to pull him. You have to get him out of there. It's not <laughs> worth risking him even having to deal with any type of recovery. You don't want to injure that shoulder or a hand or a concussion or anything like that. So I hope he sees like the first series. Pat Mahomes, he, he was the league MVP. He knows how to prepare for a game after halftime. He doesn't need week three of the preseason to help him out with that. So we'll, we'll see if it, if for my decision – uh, no, these guys will play like one to two series, and they're done for. Okay, so speaking of quarterbacks you don't want injured in Kansas City, <laughs> let's go to Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's just let's just make this transition here. Um, you know, Jimmy obviously did not look good in Denver. Uh, the offensive line didn't do a whole uh, didn't do him a whole lot of favors. I know the, a lot of people pointed at the play calling. I pointed at the play calling um, is not doing him a ton of favors. Not getting him a bunch of easy throws. Where are you standing with Jimmy Garoppolo as far as his development goes, and is he is he ever going to be worth the money in your eyes? Man, I don't know. I, I really liked him that first year after the trade, and it looked like he was going to be the quarterback that everybody thought he was going to be. But now I just I don't know. I think that those five games might have been a fluke, just what we've seen so far. And I know it's the preseason, and you can't really you know take too much away from it. But it did not look good last week against the Broncos. And, and we'll see what he can do against the Chiefs. Maybe it's it was a bad week for him. Maybe the game plan wasn't that great. 
Uh, but Kyle Shanahan is supposed to be one of the best offensive coaches in the league. Uh, Jimmy G is supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks too. So, but they're just they don't have things clicking. And I, and I think they have weapons at receiver. I think this offensive line is good too. You have one of the best tight ends, if not the best tight end in the league. They should be doing things on offense. And so far, they just haven't got things to click there in San Francisco. Yeah, the Jimmy G. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm not too too concerned about it. Um, just watching a couple of people do some film cutups and myself looking at the film, it looked more more a lot of a lot of miscommunication. You know, he may he may have trying to shake the cobwebs off. Rust. You know, he hasn't played in eleven months. Um, but a lot of it looked like the offensive line was not doing what they're supposed to do. The offensive line has been my primary concern. Um, you know, the right guard position. Um, and center because Weston Richburg isn't back yet. Um, you know, with that offensive line in flux right now before the guys come back from injury, the uh, the Chiefs, they upgraded, in my personal opinion, at the pass rusher spot. They they got they traded D Ford to the Niners, and then they added Frank Clark. Um, Jones is another another guy coming back from a great season last year. What are you, what are you looking forward to this season with that defensive line? Are we going to see a 50-plus sack season again out of the Chiefs? I think that they're going to be a good – defense uh, especially with the defensive line the veteran guys like you know Alex Okafor out of Texas Agba that they got from the Browns I think those guys can come in and play very well opposite Frank Clark I don't know how often they're going to get to the quarterback I really hope this offense is on the field for a while and they're, they're driving down the field and taking up a lot of that time of possession so I don't know how many sacks they're going to get but anytime you have you know, Chris Jones and Frank Clark on the same defensive line you're definitely going to be able to get after the quarterback. Yeah, and you're saying you want the the offense to be on the field a lot. I know we're kind of jumping all around right now, but back to the offense, you've got two of the fastest receivers in the league. Now, obviously, the 49ers have the fastest receiver in the league, and that was proven in the 40 yards of gold, <laughs> which I think Marquise Goldman is still waiting on a paycheck for that. Um, but, you know, you got Tyreek Hill, who, like it or not, Whatever you think of him as a person, he's going to be playing for the Chiefs all year this year. And and Miko Hardman, how do those two speed guys just change the offense and for what teams have to game plan against with not just Mahomes and and Travis Kelsey, you know we haven't even mentioned yet, uh, but these two guys on the outside, how do they how do they alter the offense? I mean, Andy Reid is a genius, and I think he's going to put these guys in great positions to succeed. Uh, we saw you know Tyreek Hill early on in his career; they had motioned him and use him out of the backfield. I think you can use Hardman in the same role. Uh, you you never know where these guys are going to line up. You never know what they're going to do. You can line, obviously, both of them up at receiver. You can get them going on jet sweeps. Uh, Andy Reid is much, much smarter at, the, at football than I am. So I, I'm interested to see what he can do with them. I don't even think that I have the imagination to tell you what they can do. I, both of them look very special. I wasn't that high on Hardman. I thought he had a a lot of growing to do at the receiver position, but he's looked very good so far, and you just can't coach that speed. Yeah, you know, to your point about having the offense on the on the field for a long period of time, the Chiefs were 26 in time of possession at 29, 29 minutes, and uh, on the, you know, their defense was on the field at 31 minutes. So, you know, switching that up could be a big deal. But you know, that's right around the middle with most teams, you know, the teams that had higher – time of possession um you know they weren't that much better than than the chiefs um so i i get you on that one you know you want to keep the offense on the field keep that defense fresh the secondary in my personal opinion is much improved with the addition of tyron matthew 
and Juan Thornhill um, and Fuller second year in this defense. Um, are we? What are we looking? How are we feeling about the secondary in Kansas City going up against these Niner wide receivers in this game? Yeah, much better. I, I wish they would have addressed the cornerback position a little bit better, but I am. I think that the safety position is the most important position on the defense, and they must agree with me there because Tyron Matthews is going to be great. And then getting a guy like Juan Thornhill in the second round was huge for them and what they can do. Uh, I think that if they can keep up with the 49ers receivers, then they can probably keep up with everybody. And they get a good test every day in practice with guarding you know, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and all those guys. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to be a great unit. I don't even know if I'd say they're going to be in like the top half of the NFL. But I think they can do enough to keep the offense from having to score 30 points a game. Yeah, it seemed like this year in the draft, safety's just kind of tumbled all the way down. And I didn't really understand yet. And this year, Adderley that also tumbled, he went to the Chargers and gave them a really good one-two punch at safety. Um, I think I think the Chiefs and the Chargers right now have the top two safety duos, and that's assuming that these rookies are going to be able to come in and and play up to up to the level that everybody thought they could play um, in in the pre-draft process. Um, it, now switching over to the Niners again. The Niners' safety position very much in flux. Uh, Tart played really well against the Broncos. Uh, Tarverius Moore, by all reports, has gone back to his natural position of safety, and he's played pretty well. Um, Jimmy Ward back at practice. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts until he's hurt again. And then, you know, Adrian Colbert not really getting the playing time. He's hurt. He's ejected from a game. Where do you stand with the, the Niners' safety position, and, and how do you think Tarverius Moore is going to do moving back to his natural spot? I think he'll he'll be able to do well with his coverage ability. And, and you have Richard Sherman on the outside, and I really like Witherspoon too. So your situation at corner is much better than I think what the, the Chiefs have in Kansas City. So I think that those guys are going to be able to roam more and make plays. You know Richard Sherman can shut down at least a third of the field. Witherspoon as well. I think he's really a guy who's going to come on this year and, and, and be one of the top corners in the NFC. So that helps out your safeties. Whoever it is that does end up winning the starting job. I like Holbert. Uh, he was a guy that was at Texas for a while. Uh, I think your safeties are, are pretty good. They're maybe not what Kansas City has if we're looking at this game in week three, but that's a talented group back there. And if these edge rushers, you know, if they can get after the quarterback a little bit, that'll make the job of the safeties a lot easier too. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, the, the pass rush for the Niners has been – you know, so far through two games, has been pretty good. Uh, the defensive line has been pretty strong, um, only allowing one touchdown in two preseason games and a whole bunch of field goals. So they're, you know, they're they're so far seem like a bend don't break type of defense. Um, I'm with you on the Akella Witherspoon. You know, a lot of people knock him for for reasons. You know, some you know some penalties are penalties, and you know they're a little bit more uh, ticky tacky on the defensive side with pass interference. Um, you know the Niners and the Chiefs. They have they have a history of making any type of they have a history of making making some trades. Um, the Niners seem to have a need on the offensive line as far as backups. Do you do you foresee any type of movement? Uh, we already seen our first trade today. The Eagles made a trade earlier. Do you see do you foresee any type of movement after this game? You know with the Chiefs and Niners, maybe a guy who's a bubble guy at that fifty third spot for the Chiefs or the Niners. And they kind of swap um, in a in a in a needs area. Well. You know, the Chiefs always said that they weren't done making moves and that they were trying to bring in other people, and it never really happened. So I don't know if they are targeting anybody. I don't know if there are any like big, notable-name guys that are going to be on the move. 
but I, I wouldn't mind them at least exploring this corner market and see if there's anybody out there for the Chiefs and with the, the safeties in San Francisco as well. At least test the waters, see what's out there. Uh, I mean, I know the Chiefs signed uh, Morris Claiborne, but he's going to miss some games, and I really don't even know if he'll make the team how good he can be at corner anymore. So we'll see what happens. I don't, I don't really know of any good members of the secondary that are out there being offered, but we'll see what happens after this week of the preseason. Yeah, so um, you know, like we said we keep going over this. It's it's the third preseason game. It's the big one. Um, you don't think that the the Chiefs are going to start a whole bunch of starters for a long time. So who are some of the guys you're actually excited to watch for the Chiefs? You know, some of these bubble guys, some of these guys that you know maybe the Chiefs are trying to to stash on the practice squad. Uh, I like the linebackers. I'm really curious to see what they do with a lot of these guys that they have. They brought in Darren Lee from New York. Uh, Dorian O'Daniel is a guy who I really thought was going to fit in well with this defense, but he's kind of struggling to get on the field for them. So I think that they could look at some of those guys. And then uh, we already talked about Darwin Thompson. I think that he's a guy that makes that roster and can contribute pretty early on. It, it might mean that Carlos Hyde is back out there as a free agent, but we'll see there. And then the receivers, they brought in so many rookie receivers, uh, not just Hardman. I think his job's pretty safe, but then, you know, Jamal Custis was a guy that they gave a lot of money to to see what he could do. They just re-signed DeAnthony Thomas. We'll see if, if he can do anything in the NFL. And then Cody Thompson and Salt Davis uh, were other guys that they brought in as free agents. So they really they, they emphasize bringing in receivers. We'll see what they do with any of these guys, how many receivers they carry on this roster. Are you excited to watch the Bell Dozer at all? Another 49ers legend, Blake Bell. <laughs> So I kind of am. Uh, since I'm a Texas fan, I'm not a huge Blake Bell fan, uh, but I'm sooner. interested. Yeah. yeah, I'm interested to see if he can actually develop into anything. Uh, I liked when he made that move to tight end. I thought it was a smart decision by him, and and he has played some years in the NFL now. But I just I don't know if we're ever really going to see him catch on and be like an elite level tight end. I think he's always going to be like a two or three tight end. Yeah, that's fair. You know, Blake Bell at OU making that switch was smart. And then, you know, the Niners drafted him, and he was only there, what, two years, and then he moved on. Um, are you – We didn't tear his ACL, so how are yeah. supposed to keep him? <laughs> um, with, with the Niners, um, you know, now it seems like the shine is off the Niners. You know, there was a lot of folks who were higher on the Niners, and some were lower. Um, after just the two weeks of preseason, what do you see, and how do you feel? Is there – um, anything you know to be too concerned about outside of Jimmy Garoppolo going forward? Man, I think just the general health of that team with you know Bosa and Kettle missing time too. It's just it. I I called it on on stick to football the curse of cap. Like there's just something going on where these guys are always getting hurt. Last year it was Garoppolo, McKinnon. Now Bosa struggling to get on the field. There's just there's something weird there. It, it doesn't make me feel right. And I don't want to dog the 49ers too much because I've been kind of hard on them uh, on the podcast, but I just don't know what this team is. At, at times they look like they could win the NFC, and, and other times I think they look like they might you know, be the bottom of the barrel for the NFC West. So I predict them to go, um, I believe, 6-10, and 10, which is probably not what your fan base wants to hear, but I, <laughs> I, I don't know if they're going to find a lot of success this year. 
No, I'm right there with you. I had him anywhere between like seven and six and ten, seven and nine, and like twelve and four. Because yeah. I, I completely agree. If we get 2017 Jimmy Garoppolo on the field as fans, I mean it's a 12 and four football team. But if we get you know 2018 Jimmy Garoppolo in like the Minnesota game, then they're in trouble. And I don't want to say that the coach and the GM are tied to his success and everything, but they kind of are. Uh, but they, like the 49ers always do, they have an out. Um, but you mentioned Bosa and how he hasn't been able to get on the field yet. Obviously, he was kind of the no-brainer pick at two with uh, their depth on the defensive interior, so they weren't going to take Quinn and Williams. How has the rest of the 49ers uh, draft class looked from – kind of draft night until now do they look like they are better than you thought about the same you know did they just completely whiff on some picks and that's what you're seeing so far I like their picks I think that maybe going after a punter in the fourth round was a little bit high but I mean he's out there lighting people up so I guess you can <laughs> you can find a way to support that going their two receivers I think have looked really good uh, I was very high on Debo Samuel I kind of thought that he would probably go here in the second round, and I think he's going to be very successful. Jalen Hurd was actually a pick that I was kind of hard on. I, I didn't know where this guy would play. I didn't know if he was going to be a legit receiver in the NFL after playing running back for so long, but it really looks like Kyle Shanahan has a plan for him and how to use him. So he's looked a lot better than what I thought he would in having both those guys with Debo and Jalen. You've got some bright young talent at receivers. So I think the draft is looking pretty good. Caden Smith at tight end, I really liked him out of Stanford. I think if he would have mm-hmm. ran a faster 40 time, then he was one of the better tight ends in this class. I mean, I really liked him. But anytime you run, I think he was like a 4-8 guy. You're, you're going to slide in the draft. And I believe they picked him up in the sixth round. But I liked him a lot out of mm-hmm. Stanford, too. Yeah. Caden, um, <clears throat> there's a lot of reports on Caden. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, he may be a roster bubble guy, try to sneak him on the practice squad, and they like Toy Lolo and, you know, um, Ross Dwelling, and then, of course, George Kittle at tight end. Um, but to touch on the, the 6 and 10 prediction, I'm not, I guess I'm not ready to jump off, jump, you know, bail on the ship here. I don't, I'm not taking too much away from this preseason. We have to really consider the fact it's been 11 months since Jimmy Garoppolo played, he tore his ACL. Um, guy's got to shake off the rust, and he hasn't played that many games. He's played 10 games total, and in those 10 games, he's shown to have the traits to be a winner. Um, my big, you know, I, I still, I'm going to keep harping on this. My biggest concern is the offensive line. If you keep him upright, you know, we should have su- some success here. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I'm not ready to uh, throw in the towel like a lot of folks. You know, the Twitter, you know, we're all victims to our own uh, – Twitter feed, but I'm not ready to throw the talent on the team on the season over one over ten snaps. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I, I completely agree. And if he is healthy, I mean that's a completely different team like we've talked about. And, and they open up with Tampa Bay and then Cincinnati. I think those are two wins. No matter who's playing quarterback, even if Garoppolo plays <laughs> absolutely terrible, or if you have to put in Mullins, whatever, that should be two wins right there for San Francisco. Hopefully, the, the rest of it is pretty tough. Though I mean, you have to face the Rams. And the Seahawks, obviously, I think the Cardinals are going to be terrible this year based off what we've seen in their preseason. Kyle, or, uh, mm-hmm. Kingsbury couldn't get it done at Texas Tech. Now he's going to try to do it in the NFL. We'll, we'll see how that experiment goes. But then they also have, like, the Ravens, the Saints, the Packers, the Falcons. Like, that's a pretty tough schedule once you get into the meat of the season and kind of towards the end of it. So I think they could start off hot. I do think they'll probably win their first two games. But 
then going to Pittsburgh, you have a bye week at week four, super early in the season. We'll see how that mm-hmm. plays out in their advantage or not. Uh, and then just it's a tough schedule. And if they run into some injury concerns like they have in the past, they, they might struggle to get to that 500 mark. Yeah, man, their schedule is brutal. And we, we've talked about this all, all offseason long. And the schedule looks brutal now. But by the time they hit their bye week in week four, it could be so drastically different um, because players regress, injuries happen, uh, players come out of nowhere, like Patrick Mahomes, where you got a guy that, you know, he only played in week 17 and no one knew, is he the next coming of Brett Favre or is he Matt Flynn? Yeah. Where, you know, you have an awesome week 17 game. So the schedule looks hard now. For all we know, by week four, it could be ridiculously hard. Or they could be looking at something that's kind of easy, and that's why I give them that really wide berth in my record prediction. Yeah, and depending um, on how Garoppolo looks, I'm I'm totally with you. I would not be surprised at all if these guys went 12 and four, and if he comes out and looks like the quarterback that he was before, and, and he's healthy and he's moving around with this offense, and the defense can get after the quarterback with their pass rush. I I definitely would not be surprised if they go 12 and four, and or even just win the NFC West. Yeah, I th- personally I think the NFC West runs through Seattle. Um, I, I I I think the Rams are going to take a major slide back. I think they're going to hit that Super Bowl hangover. Um, I think it runs through Seattle and, and Pete Carroll and and Russell Wilson who just gets it done. Yeah, I mean it's hard to bet against Russ. They, he, the dude just keeps winning, and Pete Carroll's still there. The defense still gets it done. It's you're probably right. I mean usually. The NFC West goes through Seattle. They're they're a pretty damn good football team up there. Yeah, they they've been good for a while. Um, Pete Pete's got that team kicking, and you know you you can't you can't bet against them, especially when you have a quarterback like Russ. Um, you know, I wanted to touch on something with uh, with our defensive tackle, DeForest Buckner. Um, he's he's off the top one hundred. He's not ranked in the top ten of defensive tackles. Uh, is he severely underrated or underappreciated around the league? You know, I think he is, but maybe it's because I have to listen to my brother, who's a 49ers fan all the time, or I feel like I have a, <laughs> quite a few Twitter followers that are 49ers fans, but I, I'm on that bandwagon, too. I feel like he is pretty underrated. Uh, I mean, the dude goes out there every week and disrupts, and there have been times where it looks like he's doing it by himself. So, yeah, I do think he's underrated, but I don't know, maybe I'm just a, you know, a victim of my own Twitter feed. <laughs> Uh, another Niners defensive lineman, um, Solomon Thomas, looks like a brand new player in training camp, and and he was uh, a complete monster in in the Broncos game when they put him at his correct position, which was the interior. Um, how did you have him kind of graded coming out? Did you did you think he was worthy of a top three pick, and what kind of player did you foresee him being in his career? You know, I I don't know that I would have had him as a top three pick coming out, but I never understood trying to make him into an edge rusher. He was so good at Stanford coming from the interior, and then you draft him and you try to put him out there. So I love the fact that they're moving him back inside. I, I think that he's going to have he's going to look like the player that he is in the preseason. He's going to have a very good season. Uh, people loved his work ethic, how smart he was, how mature he was, even for being like an underclass guy. So I'm very happy to see that they're finally uh, riding the ship and putting him back inside where he can really be most effective. Yeah, with this, the thing with Solomon too, though, uh, I think a lot of that had to do with the talent around him. You know, he may have been their best, you know, edge setter or edge defender 
um, or just pass rush from that position based on what they've had the last couple of years. You know, you had a Eli Harold and you had uh, Cassius Marsh and Dakota Watson. Those guys aren't, you know, they're not, they're not world beaters. So I think that played a part into it. But moving him in interior next to DeForest Buckner or, or line him up against next to Eric Armstead is, you know, it's going to benefit him this year. Um, you know, the Niners are pretty deep at defensive line. Um, the guy that he's he redshirted last year. He I thought I thought he played fairly well last week against Denver. Contavious Street, you know, mm-hmm. to Matt's question about where did you have him ranked, you know that that whole um, NC State defensive line got drafted in the first four rounds. Is Contavious Street, you know, a sleeper, a sleeper type defensive end or defensive end defensive tackle player for this coming season? Yeah, I, I think he definitely could be. When you look at the depth of this team. Uh, if he can get on the field, then the coaching staff must think highly of him because you guys are so deep there with Solomon Thomas, you know, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Bosa. There, there's talent all over there. And every every once in a while it happens with these guys, you know, coming out of NC State. Maybe he was just you know, hidden and covered up by all the other talent that was there that he didn't really get his chance to shine. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was a player that really came on and, and had a breakout season. Yeah, and it would benefit them um... – to do that with uh, with Contavia Street, considering Eric Armstead's in his last year of his deal, um, mm-hmm. and you know Ronald Blair's in the last year of his deal, things like that. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm hoping for that with Contavious. Yeah, and he was kind of an undersized guy, if I remember right. I mean, he was what 280, 290, so he's not really ideal defensive lineman for some teams, but he wasn't tall enough to be like an edge guy. So that could lead to him going a little bit later in the drafts and than what he was supposed to. So we'll see what he can do uh, if he gets on the field this year. Yeah, I'm hoping he does because, like Javi said, you know, you got some guys in the last year of their deal, and it's always easier to reload through the draft than try and, and re-sign some veteran guys who are going to go out and get, you know, some decent money out on the free agent market. Um, so looking forward, since you do the draft stuff, let's just – Give me some of your top guys for next year. I know we're jumping way ahead of the game here, but who are some of your top guys to keep an eye on uh, in college football this year? Yeah, they're the obvious guys. I think any receiver that is playing college football this year is probably hmm. somebody that you should keep an eye on. Uh, the quarterbacks are really good. The, the running backs are really good. Uh, I would keep an eye on, uh, I guess, for your 49er fan base, uh, Walker Little out there at Stanford. I, I really like him. He needs to clean up his game a little bit. The dude gets beat inside way too much for a left tackle, but I think that he could turn into something really special there in Stanford and probably come out as a junior. Uh, edge rush class looks good. I really like Chase Young. I know that everybody's been talking about Jay Judy, but I have Chase Young as the best player in this draft. Uh, I think that he's better than Bosa. His hand use, his physicality, I think that he's going to be really special. And then obviously Jerry Judy looks like the best receiver that we've had come out in a very long time. Yeah, Chase Young is <clears throat> very high on my list. I'm a Big Ten guy. I see. I saw him destroy Penn State O-line I mean, all season last year in those games, and um, I think Chase is, like you said, he may be the best player in the draft next year. That's going to be um, exciting. Uh, the safety from LSU, Del Pitt, um, is the guy I'm. I'm looking at. Where? How do you? What do you foresee with him coming out next year? I really like Delk, but I think he's a special kind of safety. Uh, they play him in the box a lot, so I'd like to see what he can do coverage-wise. I mean, he reminds me a lot of Jamal Adams, who was at LSU right before him. I, I think they're kind of mm-hmm. you know, the same same caliber player, and I think that the New York Jets and all their fans, they're pretty happy with what Jamal Adams can do, and I think that Delk is kind of right there 
right, the same kind of player, maybe the same, you know, type of player with what he can do on the field and how teams will use him. Yeah, there's uh, there's so many good players to keep an eye on, and if Delpit can develop his game like Jamal Adams did and, and just become that complete player as a safety, um, I mean, man, that was that was a guy I wanted when the 49ers were drafting at second overall, and then obviously they traded back and got Solomon Thomas, yeah. and, and hopefully he puts it together. But Jamal Adams was my guy that draft. Um, so let's just get a quick game prediction from you for the 49ers and Chiefs. Who comes out on top and why? Uh, man, I, I'm, it's going to sound like a homer pick, but I, I think the Chiefs will. You just look at the depth that they have throughout this roster now and, and how well they've done putting up points in the preseason. Even if Pat Mahomes isn't on the field, I think Chad Henney probably is for quite a while, and he can at least put up points uh, against the defense in the preseason. The receiver depth is very good running back, so you know they're going to have good quality guys on the field. I, I don't know about like an over-under on points or anything like that, but I, I do think the Chiefs will come out uh, as a winner. Uh, I'm taking the Niners, and for only one reason, and that's I think their starters are going to play longer than the Chiefs starters. Yeah, that's a very good point. I, I think you're right about that. So that's so that's the only reason I'm taking the Niners in this one. They're 2-0 so far. I think the Niners come out 3-0, and and that bodes just terribly because teams that do really well in the preseason <laughs> generally don't do well in the regular season. The Niners haven't done that well. That, that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to play quite a bit. So uh, I, I really don't think we'll see Pat Mahomes for very long. And if Jimmy G's out there, I, I think that probably plays into the 49ers' favor. Yeah, I think it would be smart to let him play um, at least the first half and get some rhythm going into uh, you know week one. I don't think he'll play week four at all. But, um, Melo, you know, that should do it for today. We appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, guys who are listening now, check out the Stick to Football podcast. Uh, with Matt Miller and Mello here. Uh, Mello, if you want to plug yourself or anything, just let them know where they can find you. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter. That's usually where you can find me. I have the great at. It's at Mello, M-E-L-L-O. Uh, you can check me out there. I'm usually tweeting about uh, college football, the NFL, and Bachelor stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, guys, so you have the second best uh, Twitter handle out there, and the only person that beats you is uh is at hawk oh yeah that is and that's just in, yeah that's incredible uh it's it's i think it's it's, it's andrew or andre i think it's andrew yeah i think it's andrew yeah andrew hawkins. yeah andrew hawkins yeah i always i always get <laughs> i always get those two mixed up so it's andrew hawkins at hawk so second coolest one out there Mel, yeah i'll take that coolest. i mean i've ha- i get people at least once a week that will slide in my dms and ask me how much money would it take to get my at? And I don't even really know what to say. I, I told one guy, it's like, uh, I don't know, $10,000. Is that a good starting point or not? And he was supposed to be in some Fortnite league and going to win a lot of money, but he never, he never talks to me again after that. So I, I don't think he won. And then I get tagged in like some weird, um, I don't like Portuguese. I, I don't know how to read it. It's not Spanish, but it's another <laughs> language. And I get tagged in it all the time. I think I'm just going to start retweeting it, and maybe somebody else can figure out what it said. <laughs> right well, uh, Melo, we appreciate you coming on um, here at the Fourth and Gold Podcast. We'd love to have you on during the season. You know, if we get the opportunity to do so, I know you're busy, but uh, you are more than welcome anytime to come on here. We would appreciate it, and uh, we appreciate you joining us this time. Yeah, thank you guys very much. Thank you.